Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Lucky Few Podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Heather, Mercedes, and Micah. And today we are joined once again by our friend, Lindsay Strickland, an amazing mama to a child with Down syndrome, an advocate for the disability community, especially when it comes to sexual abuse. We value and appreciate her so much. Thank you for joining us, friends, and welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. Our episode this week is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, parenting a child with a disability can be emotional and lonely. And sometimes we reach a point where we need professional support. BetterHelp is professional counseling done securely offline. You can message your counselor anytime and get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. Listeners of the Lucky Few podcast can get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash lucky. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash lucky. Okay. Ladies, I feel like we're just going to get straight to it because if the listeners were watching us, which they're not, we are all here in the same room with the one and only Lindsay Strickland and we're sitting on a hotel room floor. Everyone thinks we're fancy, but surprise. (laughs) I know. I think that all the listeners like, we never thought you were fancy. (laughs) Okay. So we're just going to get into it because we've had her on before. This is a really serious topic. We know that before we jump in though. We're going to do a little review from a listener. Okay. Um, We are always so thankful for your sweet reviews. This one is from Annika919. And um, Annika says, as a young person who wants to make a career out of inclusion and making space for people of all abilities, I adore this podcast. It is so informative and truly helps me to better understand this community and how special it is. Uh, Annika. We're really excited that this is the direction you're going in. We love people out there listening who are not like us, not necessarily like moms of kids. And we're just really grateful that you're listening. Thank you for your review. We want to let all of you know um, that you can review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you do, we might read it out loud. Or not, or we might sing it. Mm. <laughs> we love reading. We love reading these guys, and we appreciate your support so much. Just a a little warning that the topic is sexual abuse for our kids really. And so, um, there won't be anything inappropriately inappropriate said on here. Everything is important, but just know that if this is something that might be triggering for you because of a certain circumstance, you might want to skip over this and maybe just reach out to Lindsay directly through our show notes. 
And if you have little ears in the car, just use some discretion, maybe listen ahead before listening with your children and decide if that's something you want to do. So before we jump in, I just want to welcome Lindsay. So Lindsay Strickland, she has four kiddos, including a son who has Down syndrome. She's a good friend of all of us here at the podcast. I'm an amazing advocate for our kids with disabilities. Her platform, which is called Worth the Conversation, focuses on preventing child sexual abuse against our children with disabilities. We also have had her on before, episode 36, way back in the day. It feels like it's not that long ago. No, that feels like a long time ago. She's been around around here for a bit. Um, that was in 2019. So you can head back. You can even pause, go listen to episode 36, and then listen to this one. There's no wrong way to do it except if you don't listen to both, that's the wrong way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So we are here recording with her at the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network, Rockin' Moms Retreat, Lindsay Strickland. Welcome back to the show. Hello, so happy to be here. Okay, start with an intro beyond what I said and let us know about this topic we're gonna be talking about with you today. Um, sure, so just a quick, quick intro to my background. I used to work in sexual assault crisis intervention. Um, I was a child advocate at a sexual assault crisis center. So worked with all sorts of professionals in that space um, and absolutely loved it. Um, it's such a heavy topic, but it's so important. And honestly, um, I feel so hopeful that um, this is something that the Down syndrome community can prevent. We're such a close knit community and um, I just really, really feel like this is, it's a scary topic, but I think there are so many practical, simple things we can do to keep our kids safe. Okay. I am so grateful. And we've talked about this before that this is something that you've taken on. Um, I don't think it's talked, we know it's not talked about enough. And I love that you've said this for years that like, we can do this, you know, like we can make sure that our kids are safe and this is an issue we don't have to deal with. Can you talk more about specifically about worth the conversation? Where'd you come up with that title? What exactly does that mean? And then maybe jump into like risk factors for our kiddos with Down syndrome. Sure. So just quick statistic, just so people know the scope of the problem. Research shows that one in five girls and one in 20 boys will experience some type of sexual abuse before the age of 18. Now that can be something from somebody, an adult, or an older child exposing their genitals to them all the way to other places your mind might go right away when you think of sexual abuse. So there is a, a spectrum, um, but the statistics are high and they're even higher for our kids with intellectual disabilities. Research is kind of hard to figure out exactly, but uh, we know that our children are at least three times more likely to experience some type of sexual abuse. And, you know, when you really think about it, the risk factors can start to feel pretty obvious. Our kids, a lot of them have limited vocabulary or may, might not even be verbal. Um, there's also, they're just exposed to so many more adults and lots of helpers and we need our helpers, right? But that means that there's a lot of extra adults in their lives. And then um, I know my son, I, this is a stereotype, but I think a lot of parents <laughs> might agree. Our children love attention and might be willing to do anything to get that attention. And then there's also just this societal expectation that our kids 
love everybody and they're just happy and huggy and it, it's sort of there it's just, it's just this lack of uh, boundaries in general with our kids and so worth the conversation it came out of that just understanding that I needed to take a different approach um, to teaching my son and so much of the um resources that were already out there were really targeted at children taking responsibility for their bodies and children taking responsibility for stopping the abuse. But I really feel for all children that it's the adult's job to do that. And that it's our job to, um, to keep our kids safe. I think I hear you talk about this stuff and I, you know, it's pretty terrifying as a mom of a, a nonverbal kid. I've already, you know, we've been, we're like three weeks into school he comes home on the bus and anything that I can find out about what happened at school is like, you know, is he smiling? Is he sad? And then like the little worksheet that thankfully the teacher has started sending home where he circles, I did math. I, you know, I played at recess <laughs> and sometimes at the bottom it says Ace had fun playing trains or, you know, whatever. And it's, it's feels overwhelming to start to think to remind myself that there's like, there are things happening and he's sitting on the potty with, with people helping him go to the bathroom and all these things. And I think I am so glad to talk to you because I feel like I'm a little stuck with, I've always had conversations with my kids about these sorts of things. And I always have a conversation with Ace maybe almost every night before he gets in the bathtub where I'm helping him go to the bathroom. And I say, who can touch your penis? You know, like, you know, mommy can help you. Daddy can help you. Your teacher can help you. If somebody else touches your penis, you need to tell us, or you need to, I don't say you need to tell us. I say that shouldn't happen. <laughs> you know, it's hard to know what other steps to take, what other things I can do. Um, sure, exactly. And those are all the things that go through my mind too with my son. I don't know what he's doing <laughs> at school. So a very initial thing, which you are just talked about is um, starting early, giving your kids the um, correct terms for their bodies. So just like we teach head, shoulders, knees, and toes, we also need to teach private parts um, and using the anatomically correct names for those. And Micah, exactly like you said, during bath times, during changing, just talking it through and the repetition, poof, like it, <laughs> it gets tiring repeating the same thing over and over. But that really does make a difference helping set just this norm and their little minds, even if they can't communicate it to us, helping them understand these boundaries. And so maybe if those boundaries are crossed, there will be some sort of um, behavioral change that we might notice. But really also being proactive, and this, this can feel scary, but being proactive at the beginning of the school year or when your child's with new adults, asking if there are policies about the bathroom or about one-on-one -on -one time with adults, really reducing one-on-one -on -one time is key and making sure that, that situations where your child does need to work with an adult, because that, that needs to happen a lot for our kids and there can be distractions if a lot of people are around, that it's something that can be interrupted, that it's something that you can drop in if there's a therapy, 
and just always try to have that open communication. And I have a letter that I'm going to post on worth a conversation, just an email that you can send off to, yeah, to teachers or to staff, camp staff, daycare, whatever. And really um, that sometimes people, it's not even on their radar, you know, and they, they're thankful to learn about this. And then you have additional eyes and ears and another safety network for your child. And if somebody's offended by it, well, then that's kind of a red flag, you know, and always trust your gut, always trust your gut. Perpetrators are extremely manipulative people who will really try to gain the trust of the community, of the family, maybe try to meet a need. I mean, we need our village. We really need our people. Um, and a perpetrator might hone in on that and, and know that and take advantage of that. So if there's somebody in your child's life who really seems to be hyper-focused on your child and not respectful of your parenting boundaries and wishes, then that would be a red flag and reducing any one-on-one -on -one time of your child with that person would be something important. Something who might, somebody who might show favoritism, be giving gifts, be trying to gain your trust. Because it's, it's scary in that way that perpetrators are people usually that we know and trust, not a stranger, right. you know, jumping out of the forest. Um. <laughs> it is interesting how you can be quick to feel that way about a random creepy guy walking around the park, you know, but not like about the soccer coach, yeah. you know, yeah. <gasps> it's interesting. Okay. I have a question that just thinking about as we're talking about this. So what do you think are good tactics or boundaries or ways to approach like adolescents with Mason in junior high? So she's now exposed to 1500 peers, right? And so she does have the adults in her life. So that's a conversation, but I just think a middle schooler without down syndrome, like the talk and the experimental things happening and the questions around bodies from peer to peer, how do I protect her <laughs> from the world slash middle school peers? What do I do about that, Lindsay? No, and that's a wonderful question. And so really with Worth the Conversation, my focus is really on the early years, <laughs> preschool and elementary, <laughs> because there are some wonderful resources out there for the puber puberty and beyond. But um, I was actually um, messaging with a mom recently about, and this doesn't directly answer your question, but a middle school son in the shower, he's on the football team, really excited about it. And, um, but trying to figure out how to, how to do the shower situation, because that's, that's extremely vulnerable if he's showering with peers. And so we talked about finding some safe peers who she might feel comfortable talking to, to keep an eye on him, but then also establishing a really clear routine with talking to the coach, talking to the athletic director, whoever else is involved about his routine that he follows. So she knows exactly what's happening during that changing time. 
with visuals and all, all of that stuff that we all know about. So it's just a lot of work. <laughs> it's so much work. And um, I wish I had a clear answer for you. I do think that finding safe peers who can keep an eye on things, but I know that that's also asking a lot of the peers. So I don't know, let's keep talking about it. Let's keep thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. Let's keep having the conversation. See what I did there? But I would say, Lindsay, like <laughs> it's worth it that because we talked about this a couple of years ago, these are ideas that we have been working with Mason already, you know, or with both of our kids with Down syndrome, all of our kids really about boundaries and who can touch you and who can't. And whenever we help her with things, because she still needs assistance with things that are, that a lot of 13 year olds don't need assistance with that are physical and vulnerable. We always say like, we are going to help you do this because, right? Like this is why we are doing this for you because, and I don't, it seems like she's a leaf to like, whatever, I don't care. But I like, I'm hoping and believing that it's sticking in her head. And we do it with August too. You know, like, this is why we're like, we're what you were saying, Micah, with Ace in the bath, even this is that idea. Like, we are going to help you do this. Even washing your hair. We're going to help you wash your hair because your fine motor sucks. We don't say that. <laughs> oh you. Don't say that because you need help washing your hair or whatever, all the way down to like, we're going to help you wipe because there's a mess and whatever, you know? Yeah. And I love that. And, and also thinking about the helpers in our children's lives, like leaving somebody with a sitter, you know, saying Susie is going to be the one helping you on the potty today and just giving them as much autonomy over their body. Even if they don't, like you said, like totally aloof may not care who's, who's helping them, but giving them some of that ownership and yeah, just some of that autonomy in, in res being respectful, you know, of their bodies and saying, you know, this is what can happen and this is who can help you. And yeah, my hope too, is just establishing that norm and being respectful, making them be respectful of other people's bodies too, is a huge one. Because I think oftentimes too, we, again, as maybe as a family, as parents, but just even just as a society don't have high enough expectations for our kids and them respecting other spaces as well. So I think that's something to start working on early. And there are some great books for that. There's one in particular that I love on the website, The Exceptional Children's Guide to Touch. <laughs> and it is just really straightforward language. I mean, I think one page is even like don't put your hands in your pants at school, you know? Um, so just really straightforward language. So yeah, I think just repetition is key and just um, requiring our children to respect others and then continuing to just drill into everybody around them that, um, that we have to respect their bodies too. Well, I was just going to say that when you mentioned uh, you're talking about, I'm going to do this for you because I, I think that's something that I've been realizing for me with ACE, because he is such a tiny little nugget. He's like 38 pounds and six years old. I just have been able to slog him around. Like I just, he doesn't want to go and I pick him up and he goes and it's, I've become more aware in the last few months, like how often I do that. And I've been trying to be like, I'm going to pick you up because you're not cooperating. But I also know that I need to be teaching them 
to like, I need to be waiting it out. I need to be like respecting his unwillingness to go and like, and figuring out how to help him choose to go all those things. So that was just a reminder for me too. like in all the ways that I touch him, I need to be showing respect to the fact that he has an opinion about what he wants to do with his body and it's his body and not mine to just like pick up and slosh around. I know. I had to learn that one too for Sunny pretty early on though, because she's actually, she grew. (laughs) She was always kind of um, with her peers. So she grew pretty early. So then, but what that looks like for us is I'm like a mile away, like heading to the car and she's, (laughs) she's a mile the other way and then finally running. And then someone's like, do you have a mom? And she's like, no, (laughs) but she then, (laughs) do you have a mom? Are you okay? Little one? She's fine. (laughs) I'm waiting it out. (laughs) It's really quite interesting. I feel like everyone listening is like, yep. I'm waiting it out. Okay. I swear. But that was another thing for me. I was at the park one day and this family was there and this little boy was there and he had um, a disability. I didn't ask what his diagnosis was, but he did. And he was gravitating towards Sunny a lot and wanting lots of hugs. And Sunny's actually not like that. Like one or two hugs, totally fine. But then she didn't want to hug anymore. And he like wanted to pet her hair and then wanted to hug. And so I was starting to get uncomfortable because I kind of thought that was unfair. Like she's saying no, but we're both like smiling. He's cute. He has a disability. Maybe we're letting it pass, you know, like we're just allowing it. So then I was like, it was a lot. It felt like a lot for me. Cause if it was maybe a neurotypical child, be like, Hey bud, you know, she's not interested. She just wants one hug, maybe high five, blah, blah. And I felt myself treating the situation differently because the, I knew the child had disability and I was, I don't know, almost like Oh, trying to be overly understanding. But then I was like, I, I don't know. So I was like to the mom real awkwardly, but as kind as I could, do you mind if he didn't do that anymore? Like, can we step in? Cause my daughter doesn't really like it. And I'm actually trying to teach her to voice what she doesn't like. And so I'm like, but I know, and then I was really apologetic. It's such an awkward thing. Cause I'm like, I don't want you to think your child's sexually assaulting mine. <laughs> and I don't want my child to be okay with sexual assault. You know, it's like, it feels weird. And I feel like it feels sensitive when it's disability to disability. Does that make sense? I don't know. At least for me, it felt that way. And like, she was so totally receptive. She's like, Oh yeah, no, that's totally fine. And it was fine, but I just noticed, I just noticed I would have handled it differently had it been a different kid, but I was almost like stuck or like, I don't know, trying to give allowances, feeling like understanding. Does that make sense? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Especially because we know how hard life can be (laughs) and the mom is just wanting to go to the park, you know, and our kids occupied. So just let's let it go. But no, I think that you handled that really well. And I wouldn't feel bad about feeling timid about it, you know, because each situation, there's so many nuances, but that such a good job to like point out that, my daughter's saying no, and I'm trying to teach her 
that if somebody crosses her boundary, yeah. And that might be something that mom had never even thought about before. So, yeah, I mean, there's really not rigid rules with this, you know, it's more of a general mindset of, of, I mean, and what you're talking about is early consent, you know, like setting that strong foundation for healthy boundaries and, and that little boy, you know, maybe that made something click for his mom that it's not healthy to just go around and hug everybody constantly. Yeah. And if somebody says no, then you take a step back. I mean, we do a lot of that with Ben. Like he said, no, Ben, you take a step back because Ben doesn't, doesn't know about personal space. (laughs) So we're working on it. It's continual, you know, and something that I do tell like the other adults in his life, like we require that he gives other people space. COVID has kind of helped with that (laughs) because everybody's into that right now. You know, and this isn't to say like, I mean, I do think it's every family has their own culture. And so some families are huggers, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. This isn't, again, this isn't like a rigid, like rules to follow, but just about having that general mindset of respect Mm -hmm. and boundaries, Mm -hmm. and then tailoring that to fit within your family's culture. Okay. What are some tools you're working on now? What's some new stuff since the last time we were together, some things you want to share with our audience that you've been working on? So there's more content on, on the website, a new website since what was that? 2019. (laughs) Thankfully we needed it. So I really encourage listeners um, to take some time to look through that and read the blog post because there's a lot in there to absorb. And if you think of any questions, always email me or message me on Instagram at worth the conversation. And then um, we have a new principle of anatomically correct little boys and girls a with um, that comes with color and cut out underwear and swimsuits and a and a guide. So this is something that you can download and print out just a discussion guide to help you get started on talking about bodies and just normalizing it. And I know that it can be something that feels a little silly depending on how you were raised, but my hope is that this is something that will help get the conversation going, help you feel comfortable as a parent and just be another tool for just teaching these really practical, simple things that really can go a long way in keeping your child safe. That's so great. I have seen it and it's helpful and adorable. It's adorable too. Mm-hmm. I think that's that weird, like anatomically correct pictures of illustrations of children is adorable, but it's a really, <laughs> we might edit, we might edit this out. Um, <laughs> it's a really great product. And I'm thankful that you've put it out there for everybody. And as always, just really grateful for the work that you're doing. Tell everybody all your social handles where they can find you again. Yeah, I'm thankful for you guys having me on. And like I said, the website has a lot more that people can dive into on their own time. It's worththeconversation.com. Same with Instagram, worth the conversation on Facebook a little bit, but Instagram and the website are probably the best places to check stuff out. Thank you, Lindsay, so much for your time. We're going to take a break and hear from our sponsor. Then we're going to come back with good news. And we're going to ask you to share good news about Ben. So be thinking. Well, this is good news. Hey, friends, this is Micah. Our episode this week is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Listen, one of the best decisions I ever made was to go to therapy when Ace was two years old and I was overwhelmed with his needs and the pressure I was putting on myself to be his education advocate, therapy coordinator, and his cheerleader shouting his worth to the world. That's a never ending job. And sometimes we all reach a point where we need professional support. Maybe you've been thinking about seeking therapy, but you're not sure where to begin. We want you to know that seeking a professional counselor is not only an option, but an amazingly brave option. I'm so glad to tell you that today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, professional counseling done securely online. You can message your counselor anytime and get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. Believe me, we all do enough of that already. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy to and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. It's not a crisis line, it's not self-help, it's professional counseling done securely online. Listeners of the Lucky Few podcast can get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com lucky. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash lucky. Okay, we are back and it is time for some good news. Lindsay, do you want to start us off? Do you have some good news about Ben? Yes, I think sort of bad news that turned good news. We saw him, we, uh, our son, our boys are at the same school and we were dropping off a lunch that we forgot. And we saw Ben day two of school on the playground, hitting his teacher, pulling his mask off, throwing it down was really disheartening, (laughs) but he's doing great. Now he's settled in, he's happy. And we're feeling really good about his school placement. So, um, you know, it's like, like the constant conversation, right? Like, is, are they in the right spot? And I was a little bit nervous after seeing that, (laughs) but he's with a wonderful teacher who sets boundaries and, um, and he's thriving now. So that's my good news. I have some good news about ACE. Uh, I shared this on my Instagram, but last week, he had music therapy and his therapist was playing a song that made him all of a sudden, he just was like floppy and restless. And finally he kicked the guitar, (laughs) which Mr. Andrew did not like. And I, we've been working on using his talker, his AAC device a lot more in other, I feel like this is another area of growth for me because I am just kind of lazy about it. I, I use it at, at mealtime, but carrying an iPad around the house is just hard. And so I've been really pushing myself to do that more with him. And he's working really hard at school with it. So I had it there with us and I handed it to him and I said, it seems like you, you want to tell us something. And he opened it up and he hit the button. I don't like that. 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 And it was a new song that Mr. Andrew had never sang before. Green grass grew all around, all around. 
And uh, he's like, I don't like that. So I was like, well, what song do you want? And he has like four songs at the bottom of his front page. That's like his favorite. And he just hit Elmo songs, Elmo songs, Elmo songs, Elmo songs, Elmo songs. <laughs> and so Mr. Andrew pulled out a, a Elmo song and Ace was happy. And I was like, yes, we're doing this. We're saying what we want. And it's good. It's good. I love that when, no. when you share about Ace using his device, he's all, it's not just one time. He's like this, I want this, 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 this. Let me make my point clear. I love it. So good. So cute. Okay. And then I have some good news from a listener for kids by kids design. Our recent guest says our two and a half year old is learning better communication every day with the help of our awesome speech therapist. <gasps> That's awesome. That is awesome. Way to go speech therapist and two and a half year old. Yes. I love that. Um, as always friends, if you have good news, share it with us. You can go to our Instagram account and leave a direct message. You can leave it on a comment. Sometimes people come to my Instagram account and leave direct messages and I screenshot them and send them to our producer every time. You can also email us hello with a lucky few podcast. And if you want to sponsor us, we're always looking for new sponsors for our show. We are at over half a million downloads and chugging right along. It's been so fun. So we definitely have people listening and people love the products that we bring to them on this show. So if you would like to sponsor an episode or a dozen email hello at the lucky few podcast.com for all sponsorship opportunities. A huge thank you to Lindsay Strickland for being with us today. Thank you to our editor, Josh Avis, our producer, Vouch Leader, and our sponsor for this episode. To all of you who have shared the Lucky Few podcast with friends who have listened faithfully and cheered us on, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. And remember, dear listeners, supporting your loved one with Down syndrome, you are a narrative shifter and a shouter of worth. Keep on keeping on. We're here cheering for you. We'll see you, hear you, be together next week. Bye. Bye. I was like a song. Bye. Oh, <laughs>